the blessed life. The blessed life is your best life, and God has it for you right now. You know, uh, two weeks ago, I spoke on generosity. I just talked about living open-handed. God created us, made us. God blessed Abraham. He said, Abraham, you will be a blessing to the nations. And I talked about allowing God's grace to flow through us. Generosity in our words, generosity in our actions, generosity in our money. And then last week, I talked about the issue of tithing. And it got real quiet in here when I started talking about the Big Ten. I talked about God's plan and purpose. The beginning of this pathway of blessing in our life is by the beginning. In the very beginning, the Bible says that men brought an offering to God. And Abraham brought his tithe to the Lord. And we talked about that. And it, just, it was really awesome because it was so well received in our church. And we, as we heard the testimony of Dora last week at the end of, uh, at the, end of the service where she talked about how that her life was literally transformed. She was a single mom, four children, wasn't making it, had, you know, kind of got out there in the world and wasn't serving God. But she'd come to an Easter service here about a year, a little over a year ago. God started working in her life. And then some of the members of the church just kept following up and calling her. And she came back to church and, and she said, God just spoke to her. She said, I just can't do it anymore. I, I can't do it, God. And so at her computer, she just made a decision. She made the decision that she was going to put God first. She said she started tithing. And from that day, just how as she surrendered her life to the Lord and she obeyed God in the area of giving, things just opened up for her. And uh, what she didn't talk about, what she didn't talk about is the way that God provided for her was through work. And the fact is, as a single mom with four kids, she's, takes, uh, she's an online student with the University of Phoenix, but she works 65 hours a week, two different jobs. So we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about your work matters to God. But we just are coming off an incredible day of celebration. Just about a half an hour ago, over 14 people, at least 14 people, were baptized right out here in the City Church swimming pool. Can we give God a great big hand? Come on. 14 people. Awesome. I kept going, hurry up, hurry up. we got to start the next service. But you know what? It's just incredible to see what God is doing in the church. There are so many really cool things. We have an intern program, and I believe we have about 10 young people that are going to be starting, high school students that will be starting their summer internship. Let's give the intern program a great big hand. They're going to be starting tomorrow morning, and we're really excited about that. And then we have part of our discipleship. We actually have two things that we use for discipleship of children here at City Church. One is called... Uh, Roll Rangers and Impact Girls, and they meet on Wednesday nights. And the Roll Ranger boys, they went on a camp out this week, and they just had a great time and a lot of fun as they learned about all the stuff that you do on a camp out. And then our other discipleship ministry for our children's program is called Junior Bible Quiz. It's for children, boys and girls, between the ages of 5 and 11. And they memorize scriptures, they study the Word of God, and then they compete against other teams. They ask them questions. And uh, there are over 3,000 teams across America that are in this program. And uh, we have two of the best teams in the whole country. Uh, our girls' team, they finished 26. You can put that picture up. The girls' team finished 26. And uh, the boys' team finished 14th in the nation. Come on, let's give them a great big hand. Pastor Dan called me last night. He called me last night. For, they're still in Minnesota. We have about 25 people from our church that are still in Minnesota and Minnesota. And he called me last night and he said, the difference between placing in the top 10 and then finishing in the net 14 or 20, uh, he 
say was one question. One question. Wow. Amazing. This has been a great week. And then tonight we have member class. Jana just told me out at the pool. She said she thinks we're going to have 40 people at my house tonight. Come on. Let's give God a big hand. But let me tell you, if you're here tonight and at the end of the message, God touches your heart, you want to find more out about the vision or you're part of this church and you're looking to get connected here, take the first of our Connect Four. I invite you. There's always still room for one more, and we invite you to come tonight. So membership class is taking place, and we just had water baptism. And then next Sunday is Father's Day. Everyone say Father's Day. Take that little card. Invite somebody. We do this. It's like our annual thing. We've done it for like four years now. We have our full country breakfast. And it's just a great time to connect and uh, make relationships and meet new friends. It's going to be a great, great time. Everyone say the blessed life. My work matters to God. I want you to stand with me this morning for the reading of God's Word. We're going to begin in the beginning. Everyone say the beginning. We're going to read Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. And then we're going to move right down to Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. And then read verse 15. Then we're going to go to one passage in the New Testament. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 31. And the Bible says, then God saw everything that he made, and indeed it was very good. Everyone say, very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his, I can't hear you, ended his work. He ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his which he had done. Now, I want you to skip down to verse number 15. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 15. And the Bible says, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it. Everyone say, work it. Oh, come on, say it again, work it. God put him in the garden to work it. One of the guys texted me in the middle of one of the services. Just, uh, I think it was the first service. And he said, I'm working it, baby. And we have a little saying around here, when you go out to work, you're going to go out and make donuts. You know, you're making donuts. Whatever you're doing, you're making donuts. And he texts me, I'm working it, baby. I'm making donuts. I said, good. You're working it. God put him in the midst of the garden to work it. Say it one more time. Work it. And to take care of it. Now, I want you to turn over to the New Testament, to the book of Ephesians, to the book of Ephesians, the second chapter. Paul, the apostle, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes to the church of Ephesus. And he meant, and actually in chapter 1, Chapter 1, Paul the Apostle talks about this work of the Spirit of God that's in us and makes us a new creation and the God's divine plan and purpose. It's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible in, in Ephesians chapter 1 where he talks about God created them and he blessed them. And then he goes into chapter 2 and he talks about this great revelation of salvation. And in verse number 8, we know the verse. He says, for by, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we understand that. We understand the work of God, the work of salvation, the transformed heart, the new heart that God gave you when he took you from an old way of life and he, he brought you into a new way of life, the transformed life, the beginning of the blessed life or the abundant life came by faith. You simply believed. You didn't work for it. You didn't earn it. You weren't good enough. Matter of fact, you were bad to the bone. And God's grace, God's grace was for you. But God created you and made you and poured out His grace upon your life 
for a purpose. And he says this in verse number 10. I want you to read this with me. Just read this as I read along. For we are God's workmanship. But we've got to stop right there. Workmanship. In the Greek, the word workmanship is the same word that we use for the word poem. Anybody know what a poem is? Okay, if, if you don't know what a poem is, raise your hand. All right, you know what a poem is. <laughs> Got a little music going on. Little, we get somebody on the organ up here. We really have church this third service, huh? It's a poem. You were God's poem. You were created by God with a, a unique, special DNA. You were created for a purpose. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good. Oh, I can't hear you. You were created to do good what? Works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. God created a work in advance for you to do. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that in these next few moments, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is is evident that it's here. We thank you for the baptisms today. We thank you for the response and the work of your Spirit in the first two services today. We are just so grateful. We're so grateful for all that you've done for us. Now, I pray, Lord, that you'll help me once again to be very clear in my thoughts, be very clear in the things that I say. Father, I pray today for those that are here that they'll have spiritual ears to hear. Lord, they need a touch from you today. They've come with great needs in their life. And, Father, I pray that you will bless your people. Lord, at the reading and the proclamation of your word, let your word go forth and accomplish that which you've sent it forth to accomplish this day. I ask this in your wonderful and mighty name, and everyone said, amen. You may be seated this morning. Hey, it's great to see third service. I'm just so happy that you're here this morning. I was a little nervous when we did the baptism there. wasn't sure anybody was going to be in here, but it's great to see you this morning. When I was a little boy, I was about nine years of age, I had my first real job. And uh, maybe told some of this story before, but when I was nine years of age, I, I became a paper boy. Now, thinking about that. I just turned 48, so it's almost 40 years ago. They used to do papers different. You know, I, I get the paper now, and it's a guy, I don't know how many papers he has in his car, but he's got a pile of papers. You know, he drives down the road, and he throws them. And, but back in the day, back in the good old days, no, <laughs> weren't that good. But back in the day, they had neighborhoods, and neighborhoods were broken down into little sections, and we had like a paper captain, paper route captain for our area. And it was a, it was a mother, one of the mothers in the community. And then there were probably like five or six boys, and we all delivered papers. And I still remember my the paper drop. The paper drop was at a guy's name by the name of Jerry Gintz. Jerry Gintz was the oldest of all the boys that were delivered. He was like 12. He was the oldest, and he was just kind of wily, and he was a moneymaker. And it, we, we were in Arizona. I remember this. It was summertime. It would be so hot, and his mom would buy him those little frozen popsicles, and he'd, like, be selling them, you know. His mom would buy them for, like, two cents, and he goes, you want – I, you know, he'd be doing all this trade. Okay, 25 cents today. And if it was a really hot day, then maybe they might go up to 50 cents, depending on how he felt about you that day. But that guy was always about making money. And I remember at the age of 16, he bought a Camaro, which was a really cool car back then. He bought this brand-new Camaro, and he paid cash for it. Just by being a paper boy. I'm nine years of age, and uh, my one of my first experiences, one of my first traumatic work experiences, I, I went out, and I was collecting the money. I had to go, and you, can you believe that nine-year-old kids do this? But I used to go, and, and, and I'd deliver the papers. And then, you know, a couple times a month, I'd have to go and collect the money from the people. And so I remember knocking on this door, and, and the apartment complex was called the Apple Apartments. And I was knocking on this guy's door, and as I was knocking on this one particular door, this guy came to the door, and he had kind of this goofy smile on his face. And I, I just felt really uncomfortable. And, and uh, 
I said, I'm collecting for the paper. And he said, oh. He said, all right. He goes, hold out your arms. I'm like, okay. So I'm holding out my arms. And he turns around, and he walks over, and he had a great big stack of papers. And he picks these papers up, and he's got this goofy smirk on his face. I still remember it. I'm still bitter about it. <laughs> and he drops that stack of papers right in my arm. And then he turns around, and he shuts the door. And I'm standing there. And I'm in tears. I just start bawling. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to tell my dad. You know, I just, I mean, that was my first traumatic work experience. And, you know, the fact is all of us have had some traumatic things happen probably at work. And we've had some challenges in life. In America, the culture that we live in today, there's all kinds of concepts about work. But God has created you and I to be workers. He created us to be workers. The point this morning, if you have a, a point, you want to write it down for this message. The point this morning is the way that you work is actually your act of worship. The way that you work is actually your act of worship and brings glory to the name of Jesus. The way that you work is a direct reflection of your heart and your attitude of worship towards your God. There was a man by the name of John Wesley who was the founder of the Methodist Church. He had a quote. It's a famous quote now. But it's one, of the, it's one of these quotes that I just love. But John Wesley said this. Make all the money you can. Save all the money you can. And give all the money you can. Make. Work is about making money. But if work is only or primarily about making money in your life, you will be greatly disappointed. Because you were created for a far greater purpose than just making money. You were created to fulfill a mission, a special plan and purpose that God had in for you before the beginning of the world. There's a lot of mindsets. There's a lot of mindsets about money and the church that need to be changed. A lot of mindsets about work and what it means to you that need to be changed. You see, when God as a worker, in the very beginning, created the heavens and earth, he dignified work. That's what he did. He dignified it. He brought dignity. Work isn't just something that you do to get a paycheck. Work isn't just something that we do so that we can have something you know, a, a greater end. Work isn't just something we do to show up and we breathe a little bit and work a little bit, and, and that's all there is. You know, God added dignity to work. God added meaning to work. God added significance to work. God in the very beginning said it was good. The second thing that God did when he added dignity to work, God began to talk about the diligent, about ruling, about taking dominion. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 27, and 28, God made man in his image. He breathed life into him. And then the Bible says that God told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and take dominion. Be fruitful and multiply and take dominion. God loves people who are diligent in their work. You know, we got kind of a milk toast view of Jesus. It's kind of this milk toast. You know, maybe some of the pictures you've seen as a kid. I remember, you know, he's kind of this lily white guy, and there's like this little aura around his head, and he's walking around with the little lamby, and he's just kind of this. But you know what? When Jesus started talking about work, Man, he, Jesus said some things about work that would rock your world. Jesus would tell stories. The way that Jesus communicated was through stories. 
you'll listen to me preach. If you've been around here for any length of time, you won't remember anything I said, but you'll remember some goofy story that I told about my life or somebody else's life. You know, you'll remember the stories. You also might remember the songs. But very seldom do you remember all the things in between. And Jesus told parables. And they were heavenly stories. They were spiritual stories. They were told, though, in an earthly way. Earthly stories that had a spiritual meaning that impacted the hearers of Jesus' generation. Jesus told parables. He talked about one parable about a guy being a builder. One guy was a good builder, built his house on the rock, and another guy built his house on the sand. Jesus talked about, you know, you know, guys that were fishermen. He talked about housewives. He talked about all these different workers and the kind of work that he did. But he, he talked about one particular group, a group of investors, people that went to work for their boss, and their boss uh, challenged them or charged them with making money. Their responsibility was to take the investment that their boss had given to them and get a good return. The Bible says that one man Jesus gave five talents to, and that man was industrious. He was wise. He knew the marketplace. He knew how to invest. He understood the stock market. I mean, whatever it was in his generation, he understood how to make money. The Bible says that man took that five talents, and he made five more talents. There was another man that made three talents. That three talents, that man was the same. Maybe wasn't quite, didn't have quite as much good fortune as the other guy, but he took that three talents and he turned it into three more talents. But there was another guy. He was given one talent, one gift, one small amount of money. And he had kind of the, the attitude about the man, you know, working for the man. I, I, you know, he's going to be mad at me. If I lose that, he's going to fire me. He had all these kinds of attitudes that people get about work, and they were just wrong. Because he was afraid, because he was afraid to do something with that, the Bible says he just went and buried it. And so when the master returned and asked them to give an account for their life and for what they did with their work, the guy with five talents, Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Yeah, I'm going to give you more. I'm going to give you more responsibility. You're going to get a promotion. Another guy, the guy that made three, he said, well done, good job, I'm going to give you a promotion. But the last guy, Jesus said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. Wow. Non-productivity, non-effectiveness, going to work just to get a paycheck, just to get by. Just these kinds of mindsets that so easily creep into our worldview about work. You know, I fish five days and... I work too. I owe, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. Kind of this just getting by in your work. God doesn't bless that. That's not the kind of life, that's not the, the blessed life that God has called you to. See, Jesus called us not to be lazy, not to be losers. Jesus called us to be winners, to be champions, to be diligent. These mindsets, these, you know, working for the paycheck kind of mindsets lead to a dead end. You see, it separates the diligent from the lazy. Your work this morning is your calling. It's your calling. You were created. Look at that verse. I love that verse in Ephesians. You were God's workmanship created. You were created by him for a specific purpose. He created before the world began. You know, right now, wherever you are at, 
whether you're a student in school, whether you're working in a job, whether you're looking for a job, wherever you are right now, God has allowed it in your life. For some of you, it's a big test. Some of you right now, the place of employment or the place or the station you are because of our society, because of our culture, because of things that are happening, it's a big test. And what God is looking for you to do, that in the middle of the test, you keep doing the right things. You keep being the diligent worker. You ain't just waiting for it to fall off the truck. You're doing something. You're doing something with your life. You're improving your education. You're going back to school. You're you're knocking on doors every day. I, I don't care where you are right now. I want you to know the blessed life comes to those who are diligent and not to those who are lazy, waiting for something just to happen in their life. Your work is your calling. The Holy Spirit of God that is in you today created you, made you. I just, you know, we, we're celebrating Pentecost Sunday. I just had this thought in one of the services. I just had this thought about that Spirit of God that comes into us the moment we accept Christ. It's the transforming work of God's Spirit that changes your heart. He made you in a wonderful way. He fashioned you. He gave you a special DNA. Because God has something for you. It's different than what He has for me. God has something for you. Your work. Your work designed by God. Planned by God. It's your calling. The calling of God isn't just for people that hold a microphone and speak on Sunday morning. The man that worked at the Chick-fil-A, that owns the Chick-fil-A, saw it his calling to serve people. You know, this whole thing is really tricky because some of you right now are in a place and God's making a transition in your life into another direction, into another area. And transitions are always very tricky. They're always tricky. Because there's a tendency in transitions to try to either make it happen or get frustrated with God or wonder why it's not happening fast enough. You know, there's transitions. Anytime you transition in any stage of life, from being a student to be a worker, from being a worker from one job to another job, Transitions are tricky. I do remember I was probably about 20 or 21 years of age, and and uh, my father had been a painting contractor. My father was a painting contractor. His brother was a painting contractor. I grew up around the construction trade from the time I was a little boy. I mean, I, I was around it. I knew it. I knew painting. My dad built houses. I knew that industry. And I remember when I was about 20, 21 years of age, my uncle called me to his house. My father had gone on to another line of work and turned the business over to his brother. And his brother wanted me to become partner with him. But I had already started working in the restaurant business. And, and I, I was working, I was painting during the day, and I was waiting tables at night. And my uncle called me one day to his house and said, hey, he goes, why don't you become my partner and let's build this building for me. I'm a young man, always ambitious, full of drive, lots of desire. And I remember having to make a decision. And I just, and I love my uncle. His name was Uncle John. He's my favorite uncle. And I loved Uncle John. I said, you know, Uncle John, I said, I just, I can't, I don't feel right. I said, I love waiting tables. I love, I love serving people. I, I just love the feeling that I got on a busy night and things that happened. And I love the money, the, the cash that I got. I just loved everything. I loved the waiting tables. I loved the fast pace and the flow and the guys that I worked with and the opportunities that I had to meet different people. It was a whole different way of life. 
for his love for me, his wife. His wife. And I made a decision to go that direction. I never professionally picked up a paintbrush again. But when I did that, you know, it was because of that decision. That decision. I was in my hometown of Tucson, Arizona. It was about a year later. I'd, I'd spent a year. I went to Bible college the next year, and I came back home. And I wasn't planning on going back because I didn't have any money to go back to school. And one night I was working in a restaurant. And it was, it was a busy night, and I was waiting tables. And a man came in the restaurant. His name was Buck Arana. He was the owner of the local Chevrolet dealership. And as I was waiting on this man that night and his family, I began to talk to his family and I began to talk to him, begin to tell him my story. God had changed my life, and God had saved me. And it was amazing because as I told him, I, I could just feel it. I could feel God there as I was giving my, my story of what Jesus had done in my life. He was so interested. He was so interested in me. And that, that next day, he, he went and we had a mutual friend. And he called this mutual friend. He said, I want you to call that man, and I want you to tell him that I'm going to pay his whole way to school. I was like, wow. I got this. I couldn't believe couldn't believe it. See, God had ordered, ordered my steps. Transitions are tricky. I could have made another decision, but I believe by the sovereignty of God and my passion, my passion to serve God, to do His will, God directed my steps. The Bible said a man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. There are no detours in God. There are no detours in God today. God created you to work. God has a calling for you. But so many people live under the curse. The curse of work. You know, the curse of work that does uh, say stuff like, I owe, I owe, I owe, so I have to work all day. The, the, the curse of work that causes a person to go into their place of employment with a bad attitude. And, you know, they're just tolerating the, that business. And they really don't want to be there. And they express it to other employees. You know, you've been there around the break table when other people in the company are sitting around and maybe having lunch or having a break, and all of a sudden one person starts to complain about change, starts to complain about something that the boss did. or don't, You know, when they start, all of a sudden one person will start to complain, and then the next person will start to complain. You might be a student at school, and you're sitting around the lunch table, and all of a sudden one student starts complaining about a teacher, and then all of a sudden the next person starts complaining. Oh, yeah, well. I think so, too. And then all of a sudden, they're going on rateyourteacher.com, and they're saying all these things. Come on. It's getting quiet in here. Some people are living under the curse simply just having a wrong attitude, wrong attitude about their work, wrong attitude going into work as a Christian. What motivates you today? What is your motivation? See, I've noticed throughout most of my adult life, most of my adult life, there's always somebody disgruntled in the workplace. Somebody not happy. And it's like contagious. A person's not happy, just contagious. It spreads to other people. Back in the late 80s and 1990s, there was a, a man. He's kind of like the early uh, Larry Burkett. Uh, his name, like the early Dave Ramsey, the big money guy now in Christian, in Christian circles. But this man's name was Larry Burkett. One day in his radio program, Larry Burkett was reading a letter that someone had written into him. Larry said, as he was reading this letter, he was so astonished. He said, the man in the letter stated, he said, that, you know, he said, I became a Christian as an adult in life. And he said, I was so just thrilled and so encouraged by what Jesus had done in my life. He said, you know, he, he said, I thought it would just be a wonderful thing if I had a Christian company. And so he went and hired all Christian employees. 
He said, you know, it was the worst decision that I ever made. He said, because those Christians were a bunch of complainers. They were a bunch of whiners. They, ex they had expectations because they were Christians that they would get breaks that they would never get in another job. And he said, you know what I did? I fired them all, and I hired a bunch of immigrants, a bunch of people who were grateful that they had a job. Wrong attitude. When you have a wrong attitude about your work, you're working under the curse. Jesus did not. Jesus did not call you to live under the curse. Jesus called you and redeemed you to be free from the curse. You see, so many people today have a wrong attitude about their work. So many people are sloppy, lazy, like that wicked servant. A lazy person will not do something in the workplace because it isn't their job description. This doesn't fit my job description. You know, God doesn't bless that kind of attitude. Go to work for a paycheck. How do you work? How do you work? You see, you've got to change your perspective, the way that you think about things. My wife and I got married not too long after we got married. Within a couple of years, we started our very first church. It was in Seattle, Washington. It was in the inner city. And it was just one of these experiences. I mean, I look back on my life and I see how God has directed me, but it was just one of these incredible experiences. I went into this community with no expectations that anything would happen, really. I didn't expect anything to happen. Myself and my wife and another couple, we started ministering to the people of that community. And God began to bless that church, and it literally began to grow explosively. It's an amazing thing to see. And, you know, for the first three years of that church, I never took a paycheck. It just, as a matter of fact, the thought of me getting paid to do what I do, just I just couldn't even fathom it. It just never crossed my mind. You know, I know, I know you've got to get paid to work, but God opened other doors and avenues for my wife and I to make income. And I remember the very first time I had to leave that church, and I went on staff at another church, and I remember the very first time I got paid to serve people, which is what just I was, I love to do. I was passionate about it. I just, I remember I, I, I got the paycheck and I looked at it. I just couldn't believe it. I went outside, you know, because here's the thing. Sometimes you get your paycheck and it's not enough and you're frustrated and you're angry and you wish you had more money and I can't stand this job. Not enough. I took this paycheck and I went outside. I remember holding this paycheck. There was no one around. I just put, hold it up outside. I said, God, thank you. Thank you. You see, that paycheck was my act of worship. That paycheck represented that 60 hours that I just previously spent serving and ministering to other people. You see, you might not be holding a microphone. You not, might be serving a local church. That not, might not be your source of income. But I don't care whether you're a landscape person or a lawyer. I don't care whether you're a cashier or a person that works at the hardware store. I don't care what your profession is today when you are doing your work. God's called you. God's purposed you that your work would be an act of worship to Him. An act of worship to Him. When work becomes an act of worship to God, things change. You begin to view your work differently. The disciplines, the disciplines of your life concerning work, your ethical values, the ethics that you practice on the workplace. It's completely different. You're not budging on the time clock. You know how many Christians think that the job is their source and they have to cheat a little bit on the time clock. 
they got to punch in a little bit early. The boss says, don't punch in at that time. I want you to punch in at this time, but they got to get a little bit more time. They can't really trust God. They got to try to make it happen. They, 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 they get some extra income and they do some, a side job. And rather than declaring that at the end of the year on their taxes, they say, oh, hey, that's, you know, that's extra 20% in my pocket or 15% or whatever your tax bracket is. I've had to make some tough decisions like all of you. When I was working in the restaurant business, when this was back in the day, there was a lot more cash. There were fewer credit cards. And, and uh, most of the people that I worked with, as a matter of fact, none of the waiters that I worked with would declare all their, all their tips as income. And the moment that I gave my life to Christ, I made a decision that I was going to live by God's book, by God's word, to the best of my ability. Having done it all perfect, made lots of mistakes. But in this area of ethics, I made a choice that I was going to do the right thing. The Bible says to, we are to give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And so I made a decision that I was going to declare my full income. Everything that came in in tips, I was going to declare the whole thing. You know, it was just, it was within a very short period of time, some of the other guys started to recognize it, realize it, word passed that Eugene is declaring all of his tips. That wasn't an easy thing for me to be integrous, to be, me to be an honest person in the workplace wasn't easy. As a matter of fact, one of the waiters took me over in the side room one night. He says, listen, if you don't stop doing it, I'm going to slash all your tires. True. I had to make a decision that God was my source, not the restaurant. You see, when Jesus is your source, you can trust the word of God. For the promises of God are yes and amen to them that believe. You see, this whole blessed life is about trust. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but you trust and obey. It affects the things that you say and what you do. You know, the next thing that happens when you understand that your work is worship, you become enthusiastic. It isn't TGIF. It's, thank God it's Monday. I get another opportunity to serve my community, to serve my God. You see, your work today is always about being a blessing to someone else. That's why you work. You work to produce a product or do a service that is a blessing to someone else. You know, the word enthusiasm in the Greek literally means entheos. It means God in you. The word enthusiasm, to be energetic, to be excited. You ever go to a place of employment and the person that's serving you, they're not excited about being there? As a matter of fact, you're a bother. You're an interruption to their work. And you're thinking, I think I'm supposed to be the reason that you're at work. Have anybody ever had that before? We've all experienced it. The sense of enthusiasm. Martin Luther said it like this. Your work is a very sacred matter that God delights in it. And through it wants to bestow his blessings on you. Enthusiasm. Being enthusiastic. Would you rather listen to a preacher that is boring, can't figure out if God is really good or not, can't, not really sure if the promises are for today or not? Would you rather listen to the kind of preacher, you know, stuffy and stale and boring? Would you rather listen to a guy that looks like bees are chasing him on Sunday morning? I mean, come on, what kind of guy do you want to listen to? You want to listen to somebody full of enthusiasm, full of faith, full of hope? Of course you do. Something about enthusiasm brings excitement, a sense of faith, an opportunity. It's a great day. I have all these sayings, you know, living in paradise. You're not living in paradise. This is paradise, baby. Florida, come on, people, 54 million people come 
to this city a year. You know that? 54 million people come to paradise. And you're complaining, oh, I can't wait to get out of Orlando. I want you know, because the problem is when you start to think like that, you think you're wishing you were somewhere else. Everywhere you go, there you are. <laughs> That's the problem with that. Everywhere you go. We were diligent in our work. We're doing the right things over and over and over and over. We're diligent. Will Rogers said, most people miss success because it's dressed up in hard. Most people miss success because it's dressed up in overalls. It looks like hard work. To be diligent means you do the right things over and over and over. You keep showing up at your place of employment on time. You're not the last one in. You're not sliding in. You're not sneaking in. You're the first one in. You're enthusiastic. You're grateful for the job. That God has given you the breath one more day to get up and to breathe air and to go in and to serve in that place. You see, your work matters to God. When you go, you do it to the best of your ability. You do it to the best of your ability. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. I became skilled as a waiter. I mean, the reason that I've been able to stand before thousands of people preach the gospel over the years is because God prepared me. As I worked in these restaurants, I waited on all kinds of people. I had to give presentations, menu presentations, and I'd have to tell people all these different kinds of things about the, the food and the experience. It was a very famous restaurant at the time, and, and God prepared me. One night, it was the president of Toyota. And the next night, it was Sammy Davis Jr. The other, next night, it was some movie star. I mean, it was all these different kinds of people that I would have to stand before. I literally, God because I was excellent in my work, God allowed me to stand before kings. I might not have been the best, but I did my very best. I did my very best as an act of worship to God. And when you do your best and you live your life as an act of worship, you will impact the people. We don't have to worry about necessarily telling people about Jesus. Yes, we need to do that. Our work needs to be part of our mission of life. But let me tell you, if you were living the life, you were living as an act of worship in your work, people will notice. People will notice. They'll take note. Listen, people will take note right up here, guys. Right up there, okay. People will take note. They'll take note. I made a decision to follow Jesus, and it wasn't always easy in the workplace. It never is. Lots of choices. People making all kinds of bad choices around you you got to choose to live a different life. People sleeping together, people doing drugs together, people drinking together, partying together, stealing, cheating, lying, whatever whatever they're doing. All kinds of things going on in the workplace. You guys know. For one night, one specific night, I went to the back. I was, I was actually a manager of this restaurant. The owner came in, and uh, there was a product that went bad in the middle of the night. And I had just taken an order for a whole big table. Most of the people on the table wanted this one specific item, some kind of secret item. Remember, I was standing there, and the chef was mad and screaming, and the owner was yelling, they're throwing at each other. And what had happened was the product had gone bad. And the owner turns to me, and he says, go out there and tell those people that we ran out. They were looking at me. There's no way in my life. I'm not, I don't have to tell them what happened, but I'm not, definitely not going to go out. And he was getting so mad at me because I wouldn't go out and tell the people. I wouldn't go out and tell them. I said, sir, I can't do that. I walked away. And he went out, and man, he was storming. He was rough. And he 
there and just done. He did whatever he was going to do. You know, I left that place. I didn't see that man for over 10 years. At my father's homegoing dinner, I was with my whole family. My father, they went on to glory. My father passed away fairly young at the age of 59. I was with my whole family. We were at a restaurant. I remember I looked around, and there was this man that used to be the owner of this business. So he had a lot of kind of crooked, tricky ways about him. And that business didn't make it. They got shut down. And he walked up to me, and he said, you know, he said, I, I saw your life. He said, I watched your life. I saw you before you were before you were a Christian, and I watched your life after you were a Christian. And he said, you made the greatest impact on my life of anybody that I've ever known. I said, wow. Wow. I mean, at the time, I didn't feel that way. <laughs> no way. When you're doing what's right, even when it's difficult, I didn't feel like I was making a big impact. I didn't see any change in his life. He said, you don't know what your future holds. You don't know where God's going to take you, what's going to happen. God orders and directs and ordains our steps. And when we see our work as an act of worship, what happens, this is the bottom line. This is it. This is the bottom line. Your work is now for an audience of one. You're no longer working for a paycheck. You're no longer working for a man. Whatever your place of employment is, take all that away in your mind, in your spirit, in your heart. You're now working for an audience of one. Paul the Apostle, this same epistle where Paul said that we were God's workmanship, we were his poem, he tells me, he says, listen, slaves or workers, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear, serving them sincerely as you would serve Christ. We go to work. We don't work just for the man. We work for Christ. Work hard, but not just to please your masters when they are watching. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God from the heart. Work with enthusiasm. As though you were working for Jesus. Work with enthusiasm. As you were working for Jesus rather than people. Changes your whole perspective. Because it's at that moment when you work for Jesus. You're working for an audience of one. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And let me tell you, it's at that moment when you're working for an audience of one. The recognition and the reality that the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead... When you're weak, when you can't seem to figure out how to do it, when your attitude is all wrong and sideways because you're working with some difficult and challenging people, but you go to God and you say, God, I am weak, but your word says that your grace is sufficient for me by the Spirit of Christ that rests in me. Let me tell you today the word of God is true. The presence of Christ, the entheos, the God in you will enable you, will strengthen you, will sustain you. This isn't just a self-help message that you pick yourself up by the bootsteps. No, this is a message of Pentecost where the, the Spirit of God flows through your life and you go to work with an audience of one and all of a sudden now you're walking the language. You're watching your language. You're careful about what you do because you realize there's a God in heaven who sees everything. There's a God in heaven who rewards the faithful and the diligent and those who live by a higher standard of integrity and ethics. Let me tell you today, it's not by your might. It's not by your power, but it's by the Spirit of God. Let's give him a great big hand clap today. In Theos, in Theos, God in you, Christ is in you today. If you've accepted Christ, He's in you. But right now, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Because in this room, there's some of you, you're not sure that God is in you. You haven't had that changed heart. Maybe you're in this room, you've had some really wrong attitudes about your work. You're not, you haven't been working for an audience of one. 
I'm not even saying you're not saved. You might be saved, but you've been you've had the wrong attitude about your work, and the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you all through this message. And you know that you need God's grace and God's strength to change the way that you think. My first invitation this morning, though, is to those of you who maybe you've never accepted Christ. You've never accepted, you were like Dora that was up here last Sunday and talked about how that she sat at a computer and said, God, I surrender my life to you. And you're here this morning. And you know that your life isn't fully surrendered to Christ. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Go ahead, down this room. Come on, you're in this room. You're in this room this morning, and you know you've had wrong attitudes about your work. You've had wrong attitudes, but today you want to surrender your heart fully to God. and Make your work and your job and your pursuit for an audience of one. And if that's you this morning, can you just lift your hand? I want to pray with you this morning. Anyone in this room? Amen. All across this room. Audience of one all across this room. Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Jesus. Can we stand together this morning? I want everyone to just repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, today I come to you and I acknowledge that my work matters to you. Help me to live my life in a way that honors you. Help me to live. Help me to work for an audience of one. I ask this now, Jesus, in your mighty name. God somehow is going to turn your provision. It's going to provide supernatural. Bring that to the Lord. That money that you give back to God represents your act of worship. Think about that. It represents 40, 60 hours of your work, which was an act of worship. And when you come on the first day of the week, this is the first day of the week. This is the last day of your weekend. This is the first day of the week where Christians for 2,000 years have gathered together to worship God. Ushers, if you guys need to come and just stand right in the front, just like we did the other service, I want you to turn around. You can close your eyes. You don't have to see what anybody did. Just turn around and face the people. Put the, you got to put the bucket right in front of you so they can get they can get past your hand there. So they can hold that right in front of you. There you go. We're going to bring our offering to the Lord this morning. Tom is going to lead us in a song of worship. And I just believe this morning that's an act of worship that represents your life as you bring your offering to God. I believe that this week blessed the Lord. I just believe that. Because you're honoring God with the perseverance. You're honoring God this morning with your life by saying, God, my life is not my own. I want to be a worshiper. And your work, the way you work, the way you work represents your true worship. God bless you this morning as you come to bring your offering to the Lord. Amen.
place today. Jesus, I just pray that you just pour out your blessing upon their work, upon their jobs. God, let them be an example of Jesus in everything that we do and say. In Jesus' mighty name do we pray. And everybody said, amen. Well, God bless you guys. Have a great day. Church.